You know, when you take risks, you're going to fall on your face. You're going to come up against obstacles. You are going to fail at times. And those are the times you might very easily say, that is a really bad idea. I'm not doing that again. But when you have faith and you know that you're, you can turn to God and your identity isn't about your failures, your identity is in Christ, that changes everything. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. Well, welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. And today, I'm really excited to have author and executive director of the uh, women in the marketplace with us, Catherine Gates. Um, Catherine is author of the book, The Confidence Cornerstone, A Woman's Guide to Fearless Leadership. Um, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really, really glad to have you here. It's great to be here, Chad. Thank you for inviting me. Great. So could you just walk us through a little bit of your work experience and, and background? Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I started as a global programmer. So I'm dating myself there. Is that right? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, that's how I started my career, really thinking that I needed to find something that was going to be uh, financially stable because having come from a broken home, I experienced the opposite. And so I really wanted to do whatever I could to be self-sufficient. And um, it, at that time, it really, I really felt like it depended on my efforts and, and it depended on me. And uh, mm -hmm. But as God would have it, he quickly moved me into um, a position where I was able to support sales, the sales team for a software developer, software house. And so I got to do training and do, um, you know, work with the clients. And so I found that a lot more satisfying because I really am more of a people person. Hmm. But I stayed in the software industry for eight, about 18 years. I actually had my own consulting company for about eight years. Um, and then just really felt like, well, I went through a divorce. That, that was one thing. So, and I decided that it was time to have it make a change. And so that change didn't come easily, as you can imagine, when your resume is all about technology and, and systems development. But I got to do sales training. I got to be a project manager. I got mm. to work for a nonprofit. Um, and so it's, it's been very varied. But what's, what's wonderful about that in my position today is that I can relate to people in a wide variety of industries with a wide variety of backgrounds. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and so and so, what led you to the point to to, to, to your what led to the point where you you wrote the book, The Confidence Cornerstone? I was working with a coach, and so this is pretty recent. Um, I was working for an organization called Work Matters, and that uh, was was very much um, a something that God led me to. I never imagined that there were faith and work organizations to begin with, let alone that I would be working for one and writing workplace Bible studies. But that's another story. Um, I was working for Work Matters and really exploring how I could grow as a leader. And so working with a coach, she suggested that I read a book called The Confidence Code by Katie Kay and Claire Shipman. Excellent book. Highly recommend it. It really shed a tremendous amount of light on some of the things that I had seen when I was working for the nonprofit, the National Association of Mother Centers. 
one of the things we did was we helped mothers connect with other mothers, mothers of all kinds, adoptive mothers, biological mothers, mothers in the workplace, mothers who were stay at home. And so they did do quite a lot of work with working women and, and really saw the struggles that women were having with finding balance, being able mm. to grow as leaders. And so I had had that experience of seeing um, the, the huge deficit of women in leadership. And so when I read the confidence code, it really shed a lot of light on one element that contributes to that. And that is a woman's confidence. There are factors external to us, no doubt, but what can we take control over? What can we do for ourselves, right? And so it sheds so much light on how we can grow, that, that we do have neuroplasticity, we can change our thinking. Um, and it, it ended the book with, you know, so take more risks, get out of your comfort zone, and that's how you'll build confidence and resilience. And that is true, but I couldn't help but think, how do you do that without faith? Mm -hmm. You know, when you take risks, you're going to fall on your face. You're going mm -hmm. to come up against obstacles. You are going to fail at times. And those are the times you might very easily say, that was a really bad idea. I'm not doing that again. But when you have faith and you know that you're, you can turn to God, and your identity isn't about your failures, your identity is in Christ, that changes everything. And so I just couldn't help myself but to want to say there needs to be a scriptural supplement to this book for Christians, you know, people who really do want to grow in confidence, but know that their identity needs to be in Christ. And one day, as you know, just there were several things happening at the same time, I was, um, I saw an opportunity to, to do a writer's retreat, but you had to have a book idea. I was having these ideas about like, this book needs some scriptural supplement. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, that's my book idea. And mm -hmm. I have to tell you, Chad, at that, at that moment when I realized, oh, I think, I think God is leading me to write that book. And I said, all right, Lord, you're gonna have to help me. I will do all the typing, I will do all the research but I need you to give me the words because I did not really feel equipped to write a book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand that completely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I really appreciate, cause you talk about that in your book quite a bit about our identity uh, not being anchored in the workplace, but our identity be, being anchored in who we are in Christ. Can you just expound on that a little bit more and maybe especially some of the challenges, like this is a pers this is a perspective for women. So some of the perspectives that uh, the, the challenges that women might have around their identity. Absolutely. For one thing, Chad, women are often told in what in one way, shape, or form, whether it's directly, which that happens, or indirectly, just through the types of reviews they they get or the doors that are opened or the sponsorship or lack thereof that they have an opportunity to access, right? We're, we kind of get the message that, uh, and, and we have internalized that we have to work harder to prove ourselves, that we are actually, and there are statistics that women see themselves as 20% less valuable than men. And why is that? Because we put our identity as human beings, Christians or not, we put our identity in what people say about us, how people treat us, the title that we have, whether we're married or not. We put our identity in, in a lot of worldly things, sometimes without fully realizing it. And that's a problem. 
you know, because God has so much more for us. And I will tell you, if I continue to put my identity in my past, in the mistakes that I've made, I would not, I would have said, oh, write a book. I don't think so. You got the wrong person. You know, I kind of would have been like Moses. Yeah, not me. Choose somebody else, (laughs) you know, but when our identity is in Christ and we know God wants us to partner with him and he does the heavy lifting, all of a sudden there are things that are possible that we never imagined. Like, like for myself, writing workplace Bible studies, being the executive director of a women's workplace ministry. That was not something I ever saw happening. You know, I think all of us, no matter where we're at in our career or life, just learning the importance of drawing our identity from Christ. And that's, I'll just relate a a quick story. When I was, uh, I I resonated with your book in terms of when I was growing up, my parents were together, but we were really poor and uh, um, had some challenges there. And in elementary school, I was the the uh, that that child who was picked last for PE and picked on. Yep, <laughs> sixth grade, I couldn't do, I couldn't even do one push up. And uh, and we went to a small school and where they really valued sports and different things. And I can remember wanting to have friends, but really not just just wanting to have friends so badly that I was really really bad at it. And and uh, when I started reading scripture. And realizing that, you know what, it doesn't matter what other people say about me. What matters is what God says about me and the love that he has for me. That is what gave the confidence. And that coupled with starting to lift weights and work out and ended up playing college sports. But it really started with the scripture and realizing who I am isn't based on what other people say. It's based on what God says in his word and our identity being drawn, drawn from there. That's right. That yeah. is, it's so important. And there are so many verses that set that talk about what God says about us. We are his children. We are adopted. We are part of his family. We are more than conquerors in Christ. We already have the victory in Christ. We are able to do all things through Christ, all things that he leads us to, of course, right? That's always, that's always yeah. important. But yeah, the more we recognize that, the more tuned in also than we are to his plans for us. Yeah, yeah. You also talk, especially in the early part of the book, about changing the conversation. And um, you know, just talk to us. What should we be changing the conversation from and to as it relates to women in the workforce? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Chad. And I so appreciate that you as a man read, are reading my book, right? And I appreciate the men that I see starting to recognize, wait a second, are the women in my organization getting the support that they need. The conversation that we need to change and and a lot and a lot of people are sort of it's like it's like the fish in the water, right? They don't know they're in water. They don't know what water is because they're immersed in it. We're in a, immersed in a cultural conversation that women are less valuable. Mm-hmm. I have to admit and I hate to even say this, but there was a time where um I I was going to a, a periodontist for a root canal and it was a new new dentist. And I sit down and this young blonde woman walks in and she's the one who's going to do the root canal. And I, that shouldn't have made a difference to me. But I had a reaction. And then I was like, huh, no, you don't. <laughs> I had to talk myself out of that, you know, and she yeah. did a better job than someone previous, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, we, we just 
it's a, it's a cultural conversation that we get immersed in in our minds so that we judge others by their gender, by their, their age, by a lot of different things, their race. Um, and we've got to recognize that the, we've got to take a step back and, and realize they, that everybody has capabilities. We need to get to know the person and give them credit for you know, what they've learned and the things that they are capable of instead of judging them based on male or female or even their age, because I've known some young people who are absolutely wise and capable mm -hmm. beyond their years. Mm -hmm. So we need to change the conversation about men versus women and who belongs at the leadership table or you know any, any table that you could think of, right? Whether it be the whole STEM area or you know, whatever that might be, we need to, we need to change the conversation around where women and men both belong, because we are all parts of the body. We were created to work together and God gave us the same mandate in Genesis one, Adam and Eve got the same cultural mandate, fill the earth and subdue it. Mm -hmm. No, that, that's really helpful. And, um, one of the things that you, you talk about and that, that, that so often these conversations that, that I've heard, especially uh, that, that well, were created equal before God, which we are, but yet not recognizing different roles that we might have. And I think in your book, you talk about men and women are created different. There's differences. Yes. And, and so talk about that, especially in the context of a, of a workplace environment and collaboration and, and how are those those differences actually a, a huge benefit to an organization. Yeah, I'm going to start with a statistic that's really stunning. There is a statistic that says um, if you have one woman on the board of an organization, just one, that as opposed to all men, that that organization will outperform organizations that have all men by 26%. Why? Because women bring in a different perspective that men just don't. Now. I, I don't want to be absolute here. I'm going to generalize a little bit. There, there is, you know, there are, um, there are men who can, are very capable of building relationships and can be very empathetic. There are women who are very bottom line thinking. But generally speaking, those are two very different sets of skills. And generally speaking, women tend to be the nurturers, the empathetics, the the visionaries. Women tend to be to to put people first. Whereas men would tend to, and again, I'm saying tend, right? I don't mean to be absolute in any of this, but but women are going to, uh, men are tend to, going to tend to focus on the bottom line. They're going to tend to focus on the problem solving. And so when you bring both together, when you bring diversity together, you're going to get people seeing, you know, like like you've, you've probably heard the analogy of the elephant. If somebody's standing by one leg, that's all they see is the trunk. If somebody's standing by the tail, that's what they're going to see. You know, they're going to get people having that, those different perspectives, those different insights. Woman, a woman might bring a greater intuitive sense. A man might bring that gut sense. But you need both. You absolutely need both. And you saw the opening story, right? So Celia... Mm -hmm. was working for this organization. They were deciding whether to incorporate well baby care. And the men were like, no, we don't need that. That's just an expense. But the women recognized that that was something that was going to attract employees with families, which, which mm -hmm. is a large majority of the employees, and that it, it would help them to attract better talent and keep that talent. 
And so because they spoke up, because they were invited to speak up by that the current CEO, they added Well Baby Care into the package. And it's made a huge difference for all of the, the team members. No, that's really good. It's fascinating to me that you have a background in software development and then switching into sales and leadership because yeah. uh, that's, an, uh, that's an industry that is uh, men are left-brained and so they tend to be attract more men to that industry. And I mean, our audience really is, is those that are working in the digital space in, inside of ministries. And so those can be like when I go to a, some committees that I'm on, you know, there's mostly men around the table. Um, uh, but at the same time, there's so much value to, to hearing everybody's voices, like what you said. What would you say to, to those that might be, to those women currently who are involved in the digital space, working inside of ministries, what would you say to them just to encourage them? And, and uh, like, if you were to sit down over coffee with them, what would you be sharing with them how they can continue to grow? I would share, first of all, that we need each other. And so women really do need to connect with other women to encourage each other, to share our experiences with one another, to recognize that, it, oh, if you're feeling a little insecure about you know, something in particular, you're probably not alone. And maybe by just having that conversation, you realize that insecurity has no basis in the truth, hmm. right? And so that's one thing that we need to do, I think, is we need to encourage each other. The other thing we need to do is, you know what, if men aren't going to, to, to voluntarily offer to mentor or sponsor us, maybe we need to be asking the men. And it doesn't need to be a formal, you know, hey, would you mentor me, Chad, right? Mm -hmm. It could be, hey, Chad, I, I see that you're doing like amazing things in this area. And I'd really like to learn more about that. Could we have a cup of coffee? Could I ask you some questions? And that could turn into an ongoing relationship, but you never have to say, could you mentor me? Sometimes that can be a little intimidating. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so, so my background, I mean, I grew up on a farm and I'm very entrepreneurial. I worked inside of a ministry, a large international ministry. And I hadn't even heard of the concept of a workplace sponsor up until a couple of years ago. Could you just mm. talk about that? You know, for those that may not be aware of what, what you, when you say sponsor or mentor in a workplace right. environment, what that looks like. Sure. The, the mentors and a mentor and sponsor are, are two different things could be, could end up being the same person, but the mentor is generally going to be somebody who is where you'd like to be, who can, who you can talk to, get ideas from share your goals, they can guide you. And they, they would really be almost um, in a coaching position, you know, to be able to say, well, ask you, ask you the good questions, right? And help draw it out of you, but also point you to resources. Mm -hmm. So a mentor can walk alongside and help you grow. A sponsor is someone who's going to open doors for you. A sponsor is someone who might say, um, you know what? I think Rachel would be a great candidate for that promotion, right? Somebody who would speak up for that person, who would make introductions to the right people so that they can build a relationship that may be difficult to otherwise build. Mm -hmm. That's a really good distinction and really helpful that, um, you know, you, you, as, I, as I think about my career path, I use and continue to use both, whether mm -hmm. it's asking for an introduction 
as a sponsor role or even calling somebody up and saying somebody who's uh, somebody who I respect and sitting down for coffee and just picking their brain. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's really, really good. So, so talk to those that are in leadership inside of ministry, both men and women. Um, what advice would you give them to be more in tune to meet the needs of the women in their workplace? I would first suggest that they have conversations with the women, you know, to really be curious. And I'll tell you, it's going to have to be entered into probably prayerfully, because again, even in um, non-ministry companies um, that happen to be based on Christian values, a, a couple, I've known a couple of men now who decided, let me take a step back. I think the women in my company are fine, but you know what? Let me check in. And they, they sat down with these women and had one-on-one -on -one conversations and asked, how are you doing? Do you feel like you have the opportunities that you need? What, hmm. you know, what's missing? What else can we do? And they learned that, that those women were not feeling empowered. They did not feel like they had the resources that they need. And so that's the first place to start is challenge your assumptions, male or female leaders, right? Go and ask people, are they get that's good for anybody. You know, what are they getting what they need? What's missing? Where are they struggling? Where are they frustrated? And that might open your eyes to things that uh, could really improve the culture of the organization and help everybody work better together. So that's the first thing is just how can we learn what the experience of the people are? And then second, put in, put in place some ways to proactively make sure that everybody has opportunities to grow. Mm -hmm. what are what are some of the ways that you've seen an organization put some of those things in practice I mean it's really good to listen in fact I'm uh, I have several women that report directly to me and I'll be actually including that in my next one-on-ones with them yeah. but, but um, the other thing I'm working on actually right now inside of our organization is is kind of a more intentional career path for for folks so what are some of the things that you've seen organizations do just to to, um, uh, to to make sure that we're giving opportunities for, for our team members. There is a great example in one organization that I've worked with where um, actually mo the majority of the women there, I don't know what, I think it's like 75% of, of the employees, rather the team members are women. And yet the majority of the leadership of the company was, was male. And there was an opportunity at a conference where they were all at a table and it happened to be more women than normal because some of the men were not able to make it. And so they had an opportunity to have a discussion and that's when they realized there was a deficit. And so what they did, the, the CEO to his credit said, wow, I had no idea, right? So a lot of times it's not that, it's not, we assume they know what they're doing and no, they're just doing what they do, right? So when he, it came to his attention, he said, well, you know what, let's, I, I would love for you to put in place a leadership forum that's designed for women. Hmm. So this is just one idea, but they, mm -hmm. they have a women's leadership forum where they bring in speakers, where they share their ideas, where they study together and um, they recognize people at the end of the year. And hmm. so it has helped tremendously not only to build the confidence of the women on the team, now they see that they are seen and heard and and valued, but also to mm -hmm. give them a proactive path to growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
what, what would you say to a person like myself who my approach has always been, I, I really, it doesn't matter to me gender. I'm, I'm just looking to hire the best person for the role at the time. Yes. And, and, and yet, you know, like what you said, like, like what you just said, sometimes as guys, we can just be doing the things we're doing. There may be blind spots that we, we don't have. So I have one woman on my executive team and she brings a ton of really valuable insights um, but, but is that a r- the right approach of, of taking almost a, you know, the right, the best person for the job, no matter what gender or, or should a, should an organization take a more, I'm going to use the term affirmative action approach view of, of saying, okay, uh, we want X number of percentages on the, on the board or whatever that looks like. What, what would you, what would you advise to, to an organization around that, that topic? It's such a um, delicate balance. Because I do think it's important to hire the best person for the job. At the same time, um, it's great that you have a woman on your executive team, you know, just to get that other perspective, right? Am I choosing, am I, do I see this person as the best person because of my biases or are they truly the best person? And, and by the way, which one maybe has potential? You know, they often say there's technical skills you can teach anybody, but some of the soft skills are a lot harder. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't teach passion, right? Mm-hmm. So, so are you looking? Are you looking holistically, not just at the skills, but also the potential of the person? Mm-hmm. And so that might be a way to balance the scales a little bit. I, I, I don't think it's a good idea to always just, well, we're going to hire a woman because of affirmative action. That can sometimes backfire. Mm-hmm. You know. I think it's important to be really looking holistically and prayerfully, but also making sure that you're looking not just at the skill level, but the potential. That's, uh, that's, that's really good. You've already answered this question, but I'm still going to ask it. So, so what advice would you have for me as a CEO, as, as I desire to listen and to empower other women in our, in our, in our organization, in our team? What would you? What advice would you have for me? Anything to add than what you've already given? I I, I think one of the things that can really help, you know, eat, or, organizations of any size. So thinking more of small organ, smaller organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, look for ways. First of all, again, ask them, ask the women what their goals are, what they what they want to achieve, and where and how they see themselves. And mm-hmm. then, and then, um, especially if you notice, like, because a lot of women will downplay their own skills, give them opportunities to shine, give mm-hmm. them opportunities to, to um, really share, okay, I, like I did this, I accomplished this goal, give them opportunities. And so that they feel like, oh, it, it's, it's okay. And that's not arrogant. Mm-hmm. That helps, that's going to help them build their confidence. Um, but I, I think it's also like, you know, if you ever um, do have like a budget for some kind of leadership training or development, you know, be careful to make sure that those women are also included. Like, like even if they don't see themselves there, that you, that's okay. That's, that's, this is a good one. This is so simple and we all can do this. Tell them what you see in them. Mm. Mm-hmm. and tell even if they say they may not raise their hands you may say hey we've got five slots you know who wants to go 
yeah. women may not raise their hand because they don't see themselves as being, you know, good enough. And so they may need a little coaxing. They may need somebody to say, you know, I see you in this position. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, that's really good. And, and then the, uh, we've talked about like a, a woman who's just starting out, uh, but what about the focus of your book is on confidence and building that confidence. What, mm -hmm. what are some um, habits or mindset shifts that, that you would, you would advise um, a woman just to help grow their confidence in the right places? Yeah. The first is to really take note of where she is putting her identity. As we talked before, that is so huge. And, and looking at where God has brought her through, you know, the th like for, for me, for example, you know, and like we, you talked about having come from a broken home, we were on food stamps, you know, mm -hmm. I was just struggling a lot of that. And then, you know, my parents were divorced and I went through a divorce. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I, I really got kind of, my identity got caught up in all of that. Mm. Um, and what, what I've since learned is that those are things I went through, but it's not who I am. God mm -hmm. has redeemed all of it. Mm -hmm. And so the more that women can look at, wait a second, I really am um, holding myself back because of these things that happened or these failures I've experienced. But who, again, going back to scripture, studying God's word is such a huge part of growing confidence. I mean, it's funny because um, actually before I moved to Arkansas and I'm from New York, um, I, I really struggled with reading the Bible hmm. and finally got into a nine month Bible study, which opened, opened the whole world of the Bible to me. Finally, finally, it started to make sense. I could see that all of scripture pointed to Jesus. I could mm -hmm. see that it, it, the Bible is God's love story to us. And it may sound obvious because if you're Christian, but a lot of Christians don't read the Bible. You know, they might read verses here and there, but we really need to, to look at the Bible and see what it is saying about us and be in that regular rhythm on a daily basis, just like the Israelites had to get the manna on a daily basis. We need God's word to feed us every day. And, and the more that we do, the more we're going to see, oh, God's been there with me all along. When I thought he had abandoned me and I didn't think he cared about my life. Oh no, he was protecting me and he was making a way for me and preparing me for where I am today. And, and guess what? He's got even greater things than these planned for us. And so, so being in God's word and, and in prayer, really abiding in Christ, which that's all it is. It's being in God's word, you know, memorizing some of those scriptures that really resonate with you. And then being in constant prayer. Like I pray before this podcast, I pray before I pick up the phone to talk to someone or write an email, just in constant prayer, that is going to grow your confidence because you know what? That's when you realize, oh, it's not me. God is working right now on my behalf. Yeah. I, I so appreciate that perspective because even in the Christian realm, you have egalitarians, complementarians, uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's God's word. It's, it's are we focusing right. on God's word 
and and striving to live in obedience to, to, to what God what God says in His Word. And that's right. I really appreciate that, Catherine. Really, really do. Um, so so my wife feels called to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. So so what would you tell those women that you interact with at church and other places who do feel called to be a stay-at-home mom as their career? What would you say to them to encourage them? That is work. <laughs> that is work, right? So just if you're staying at home and raising children, taking care of the house, that is work. And that is work that is as valid and valuable and important as any other work. And so if that's what you feel God's calling you to, more power to you. You know, it doesn't make you less or, or you know, it's, it's all important. That's, that is the thing. We've got to stop valuing one role over another. Mm, That's such that. important work. And so I would say, do it for the glory of God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I appreciate that, Catherine, so much. Yeah. So, so, so what is one book or blog or resource that you've been reading recently that you can share with our audience? Yeah, I, I am working on getting through this book, The Common Rule. It's hmm. by Justin Whitmill Early, and it's um, Habits of Purpose for an Age of Distraction. Um, you know, there, it's, oh, it talks about creating a rule of life, and rule doesn't mean like what we think of typically. It's more, it's more about habits. Habits yeah. that, as he kind of has this picture on the book, form the trellis that mm -hmm. guide our life so that we can get get more accomplished with the focus that God is giving us, as opposed mm -hmm. to being distracted by social media or the news or or being people pleasers or whatever that mm -hmm. might be. It really helps us to say, "What? Wait a second. What is my life about?" And then, what things are going to make sure that I am staying close to the Lord and mm -hmm. taking care of myself so that I can give my best. Hmm. That sounds really interesting. I've not yeah. read that book. I uh, love it. Look forward to that. It, it, it doesn't sound exactly, but I've uh, a couple about 18 months ago, I, I read parts and read the book, The TechWise Family um, by Andy Crouch with my family, with my kids, and just to help them realize how do we fight the distractions how do we put rhythms in our lives that, yes. um, that, that help, <laughs> help combat some of those things and, 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 you know, have a daily sabbatical from technology. Maybe that's yes. in your evening, evening meal, have a weekly sabbatical. Maybe that's Sunday, have a, an annual sabbatical where for a whole week as a family, we don't do any technology and just, just, it's not saying that technology isn't bad, but what are the habits that we have? To be able to, to to let us control it, not it control us. That's um, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we're going to be making sure that the book and, and your book and, and other resources that you've mentioned throughout the podcast, they're, they'll be listed in our show notes. So, so if you're listening to this, you can you can find that there. Um, how is the best way for folks to contact you, Catherine? The best way is through um, Women in the Marketplace. It's Catherine Gates at womeninmarketplace.net. And of course, you can check out womeninmarketplace.net. Check out our website. Good, good. I would also mention your, the website for your book. It's got some really nice videos on there. Um, what, what's that website as well? CatherineGates.com. 
Okay, CatherineGase.com. Excellent. It's easy Catherine, to remember. <laughs> <laughs> you were able to get the .com version. So I was. How about I that? Wasn't able to get the ChadWilliams.com version. It was already taken. Even that was twenty years ago. So wow. Um, yeah, good for you. <laughs> uh, Catherine, thanks so much for joining us. This has been really helpful, really insightful, and I know our audience will have gained a lot from it as they're engaged with ministry, digital ministry, and hopefully actively looking to get all kinds of voices at the table and uh, to help them be uh, to be as effective as possible in their work every, every day. Yes. Yes. Thanks so much for having me, Chad. This was great.